Grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, it is a joy to worship with all of you this day. Friends, I am delighted to welcome the Reverend Dr. Aaron Rafferty back to Morrisville Presbyterian Church as our preacher for this morning. And with the gifts of technology, we give thanks that she will be able to preach through a video from her home. The Reverend Dr. Rafferty is a research fellow in pastoral care and machine intelligence with the Center of Theological Inquiry and the empirical research consultant for the Imagining Church Project at Princeton Theological Seminary, as well as being a friend of Morrisville Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to worship with her this day, and I pray that we may welcome her with open hearts. Friends, as we look east and continue in this season of expectancy, preparation, and longing, yearning for God's nearness, let us worship God together. God, I asked, what brings you joy? Oh, my child, God said, the list is so long. Hearing you say my name and seeing you soak in this beautiful creation brings me joy. When you stand with family, neighbors, and strangers and sing or work together, my heart risks overflowing with joy. And when you remember the children in the quiet and the hoarding, I swear my heart could take flight. And when your heart takes flight, I asked, leaning forward with curiosity, then what happens? And God leaned back and laughed the most musical, heart-filled, soul-reaching laugh I'd ever heard. And that's when I remembered, joy is contagious, and it is a gift. And then I started singing. Let us pray. Loving God, we open ourselves to you, trusting that this is how you made us. You created us for joy-filled hearts and lives. Show us the creative power of hope. Teach us the peace that is knit into our being. Fill us with the kind of joy that cannot be contained, but must be shared. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you, that we may walk in the light of Christ. Amen. Please join us singing, One Voice of He Came Down, as it is printed in your bulletin.
Friends, please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. We will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. Our souls magnify the Lord. With our mouths we proclaim God's faithfulness to all generations. Our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. We declare that your steadfast love is established forever. God's mercy is to those who fear him from generation to generation. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You are our God and the rock of our salvation. Let us worship God together. God's mercy extends from generation to generation and beyond. The proof of God's amazing love is this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in Christ, we dare to approach God in confidence. In faith, let us confess our sin together using the prayer of confession printed in your bulletin. Merciful God, your love is good news for the oppressed, and you bind up the brokenhearted. Forgive us, O God, when we think that your good news is only for us. Forgive us, O God, when we twist your gospel into something that fits comfortably into our lives. Forgive us, O God, when you shower us with joy and light and we're content to remain in darkness. By your light, let us see you leading us beyond ourselves and into the world you love. By your grace, forgive us and free us to try again. In Jesus Christ, the Lord has done great things for us. Even if we have gone out in tears, God brings us home shouting for joy. Thanks be to God, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Well, hello there, young friends. It is great to see you this day. And I have something for you in my bag that I tend to bring during time for young disciples. I'm wondering if you can figure out what it is. I have here a sheep. So put it right there, see if you can see it. I have 
a woman? Put that right here. I also have a man. See if you can see that. Put that right here. And then I have one more thing. I have a little box with hay in it. I'm gonna put that right here. And if you take a look at what I had in my bag, I'm wondering if you know who these things are. Well, I think it's easy that this one is a sheep. That's right, you got that right. I think this man is Joseph. You might have known that one. And then this woman is Mary. And I'm wondering if you know what this is, the box with hay. It's a manger. I think you probably did a good job and know all of these things. But I'm wondering if you know what isn't here. What's missing from this manger scene? We have Joseph and Mary and sheep. But that's right, we're missing Jesus. Jesus isn't here yet. And the sheep and Mary and Joseph are waiting for Jesus to come on Christmas. Just like we are waiting for Jesus to come on Christmas. And the other things that come on Christmas too. And so I'm wondering if we can be like Mary and Joseph and the sheep and wait patiently for Jesus. Waiting isn't always fun. We'd rather have Christmas and presents and Jesus be here right now. But where waiting is also helpful. Waiting teaches us things like patience. And it also, when waiting is over, makes us even more happy for Christmas and when Jesus is here. So waiting can be helpful too. So I'm wondering if you can help me wait a little longer for Christmas and we can be like Mary and Joseph and the sheep and wait for Jesus to come. Do you think you can try that? Okay, great. All right, let us pray. Please repeat after me. Dear God, Dear God we, thank you we thank you for Christmas and baby Jesus. For Christmas and, baby Jesus. And, we pray and we pray that you help us to wait. Amen. See you until next time, young friends. Let us pray. Holy One, giver of life and light, as your word is read and proclaimed, illumine our hearts and minds that by the power of your Holy Spirit, our lives may reflect your glory. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, 
to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a, of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Erin Rafferty, and it's wonderful to be with you on this third Sunday of Advent coming from my living room into your living room, would you please pray with me? Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin with something that happened this week. As many of you might be doing, I'm trying to get outside my house and go for a walk nearly every day. And so I'm walking up and down <laughs> the same street. And this week, the weather was a little wonky, but toward the beginning of the week, right before it snowed, remember, it was quite cold. And so I was walking down the street and just noticing the way in which the scenery has changed. So we see leaves crumpled up on the ground, decaying. We see bare trees, right? The leaves have fallen. We uh, see a lot of kind of death and decay. It's a more stark landscape, I'll say, than it was just even a month ago. And so as I was walking and looking out, I noticed that because the branches are now bare and there's no leaves, I saw a lot more activity from the birds. I could, I was attuned to the way in which they were moving and flitting across uh, the sky. I also, as I was walking down the hill, noticed through the trees, and mind you, I have lived in my house several years, I have been walking nearly every day, but I noticed, looking through those same branches, a house that I had never noticed before. 
And I thought, how can that be? How can that be, right, that I have traversed this path numerous times and that now in the dead of winter against this dead landscape, through this dead landscape, I see signs of life that have been there all along. Our passage this morning comes to us from Isaiah 61. And I had to do a little digging around because Isaiah is a pretty long book. Uh, It's kind of like a compilation album, if you will, because we know that there are several authors. It's not just the one kind of prophet Isaiah writing. It's several voices from several different time periods. So by the time we get into chapter 61, which is our passage for it this morning, there's a lot that has happened for the Israelites and people who have been exiled by the Babylonians are now coming back into their land. And in the middle of the book, uh, when it's second Isaiah who is preaching and, and speaking, people have so much enthusiasm and excitement for what that will be like to return to their homeland. But by the time we get into the chapter for this morning, people are feeling a bit more pessimistic. They're kind of feeling a little bit more um, down because there's been some hardships that have come up. There have been unexpected challenges and what they hope for hasn't necessarily become a reality. I'm gonna read this quotation from a theologian named Susan Ackerman and she writes, as despair quickened, The returnees begged God for a miraculous solution to their unhappy situation. This is the context into which the good news that we hear at this beginning of this passage is delivered. Freedom for the captives, right? Relief for the brokenhearted. And it's quite dramatic because God says that God is going to turn mourning into gladness. God's going to give them garland instead of ashes. Remember, they're actively grieving, and God says, I'm going to give you garlands instead of ashes and a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but our context this morning, I feel like really rings, it's resonant with their context, because I am sitting in a world where there are not just dead branches, um, they're not just leaves on the ground, there are people who are also actively dying, people who can't see their loved ones, people who are grieving. And I am asking this question this morning, how on earth, God, how on earth is this to happen? How on earth are you going to turn mourning into gladness? You know, I spoke with a friend of mine recently, and her mother had brain cancer a few years ago and she had some surgeries and after her surgery she began to experience symptoms of Alzheimer's disease and everything has really changed for her family but it's especially during the holidays where their family feels that really acutely and she remembers lots of things about how her mother used to celebrate Christmas. She remembers how her mother would boil cider and when they come in the house it would just smell so wonderful. She remembers how on Christmas her mom would sit by the tree and she'd come down the stairs and she'd see her quietly sitting by that tree so so peaceful all of these preparations and provisions that her mother made her mother can't do them anymore and she told me recently that nobody else you know what makes it really lonely right is nobody else seems to understand or notice the change Um, instead my my friend is trying to do what her mom did to make christmas marry and even her dad her father 
dutifully sends out the cards her mother used to send this time of year to people. So recently, one of my uh, friends, friends of the family said to her, well, you know, your mom can't be that bad because I'm still getting cards. She's still sending cards. And my friend didn't have the heart to tell her, you know, my father's actually been sending those for years. I think this story is really familiar to many of us. The holidays descend, <laughs> and we assume tremendous responsibility to manufacture joy. We put on a happy face, we plow through, but deep down, we are mourning. Deep down, we are tired, especially this year. Deep down, we have known suffering and sorrow all too intimately. Too often, there are good words like those in Isaiah, good news. But we take such good news upon ourselves or we foist it upon others as a burden rather than an invitation, a respite, or speaking of last week in this theme of peace, shalom. So I wanna look again at the prophet Isaiah's words here. If you have your Bible, get that out. If you wanna look at Isaiah 61 with me, because Isaiah's words are not calls to resilience, to positivity, to futile efforts to save ourselves, to manufacture our own joy. Rather, they are promises that God will, and here I am in verse two, comfort all who mourn. They are recognitions that God knows that our hearts are heavy and therefore God will, and this is verse three, provide for us. They are promises not to wipe away all the sorrow, but to rebuild and raise up those former devastations. That's in verse four. And so I have this image of God getting down into the hurt and the pain of injustice with us. And in so doing, and I'm gonna jump ahead to verse 11 where this passage ends. It says, the Lord God, the Lord God, causes righteousness and praise to spring up. So God is not the Christmas bully. God doesn't ask us to buck up, to get it together, to be joyful when we're actually despairing. Rather, God begs here actually for us to not go it alone. God wants to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. It's God who wants to bring us joy precisely because joy is a gift from God. It's not something we are responsible for. In fact, there is something incredibly mysterious about the relationship between joy and suffering. So mysterious that theologians have been puzzling over joy for centuries. And a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to gather with them at a conference put on by the John D. Templeton Foundation. Lots of theologians and scholars got together at Yale University and talked about joy. And a scholar and a theologian who I very much admire, I'll never forget, he, he got up and he said this phrase that has been ringing in my mind now for years. His name is Willie Jennings Jr. He said, Joy is a work of resistance against despair. Joy is a work of resistance against despair. And then he talked about how enslaved peoples in the United States of America 
have been resisting joy, resisting joy, resisting despair for centuries. He talked about how, and I think of that first kind of couple verses of Isaiah here, people who were captives and they weren't even freed were praising God, right, through incredible hymns. I mean, we see this incredible tradition of music and gospel hymns that come out of enslaved people groups in America, but also the African-American tradition resisting, right, the forces of despair and oppression for, for centuries even, right? Joy is a work of resistance against despair. The only thing that I can think to add, and I hesitate to add anything to um, Jennings' words here because they're so prophetic, they're so profound, but I want to make clear that joy is God's work of resistance against despair. When I think about how God used that teenage mother, that carpenter, that baby, in the time of Herod, no less, to bring joy into the world, I feel a lot like I'm looking through those trees again. I'm seeing something I almost certainly would have missed had I been alive back then, but I'm so, so grateful to see it and behold it now. And I'm also humbled because I remember that that baby is going to be born regardless of whether the cards are sent, the cider is made, the tree is even lit, because you know, it's been a really horrible year. People are still literally mourning and grieving. And I hear in Isaiah's words, I hear good news because I hear Isaiah saying that despite our weariness, God is not wary of us. No, God is even eager to comfort us. God promises that in our nakedness, our faintness, God will clothe us with the garments of salvation, cover us with the robe of righteousness. These words are so powerful because God isn't afraid of our pain and sorrow. Rather, God is going to come and bring joy, not as a judgment, but a comfort, a restoration, a healing. I fully admit that I am preaching on faith this morning. Count me in among the weary, the skeptical, the proud, even the pessimistic. But maybe, just maybe, in God's kingdom, even those are the conditions for everlasting joy. Maybe, just maybe, in God's kingdom, while we are waiting, it is God who makes joy. Amen. Friends, having heard the word proclaimed, let us turn to our bulletin and join in our, and affirm our faith through the words written by Daniel Berrigan. Together, let us state what we believe. It is not true that creation and the human family are doomed to destruction and loss. This is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It is not true that we must accept inhumanity and discrimination, hunger and poverty, death and destruction. This is true. 
I have come that they may have life, and that abundantly. It is not true that violence and hatred should have the last word, and that war and destruction rule forever. This is true. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. It is not true that we are simply victims of the powers of evil who seek to rule the world. This is true. To me is given authority in heaven and on earth, and lo, I am with you even until the end of the world. It is not true that we have to wait for those who are specially gifted, who are the prophets of the church before we can be peacemakers. This is true. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall have dreams. It is not true that our hopes for liberation of humankind, of justice, of human dignity, of peace are not meant for this earth and for this history. This is true. The hour comes and it is now that the true worshipers shall worship God in spirit and in truth. So let us enter Advent in hope, even hope against hope. Let us see visions of love and peace and justice. Let us affirm with humility, with joy, with faith, with courage, Jesus Christ, the life of the world. Amen. Beloved of God, for the next few minutes, let us sit in God's presence as we reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed this day. This time is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in all the many places where we are worshiping today. Let us open our hearts and our minds to the gift of God's presence.
Let us pray once more. God who restores, you have done great things for us and we rejoice. Thank you for the unexpected and undeserved gift of your Son, who is the fulfillment of every promise. Emmanuel, God with us, we rejoice that the light of the world has come. Join our voices with the prophets and the heavenly host, proclaiming your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In this season of joy and light, we lift up in prayer so many who wait in despair and darkness. Almighty God, embrace and care for all who are sick. Bring hope to those in the hospitals and at home, those struggling with COVID-19 and with other illnesses. Grant relief to our first responders and comfort to those who are grieving. Wonderful counselor and everlasting comforter, draw near to those who need you this day, including those who are navigating seasons of loss and are struggling to cope, those who live under the crushing weight of the powers and principalities of this world. Provide for our siblings who are hungry, struggling, isolated, and oppressed this day. In all the jostling and jingling of these days, do not let us lose sight of you or those whom you especially came to serve, people who are in need of healing, people who are overlooked or underserved, the ones who are lost and the ones who have been made to feel little and least for the other and for ourselves. Prince of Peace, bring reconciliation to war-torn places. Do not let the violence of this day be the last word. We trust that your peace will be the last word. Guide us toward it and toward you. Light of the world, live among us always. Fill us with grace and with truth. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the good news is that we do not need to manufacture joy. The good news is that God comforts all those who mourn. The good news is that while we are waiting, it is God who will bring joy this season through the birth of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the wild flowing breath of the Holy Spirit among us. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and with those whom you're called to love, this day and forevermore. Amen.